Welcome to the Edge of the Sticker podcast with Brad and Bobby Frank. Hey, Brad, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Bobby. How about you? I'm doing pretty good on a nice fall day here in Nashville. Yep, same here. World Series is about to start, so uh, we're excited about that. Are the Astros in it? The Astros are in it, yes. <laughs> wow. All the right. Astros and the Phillies. Game one is wow. tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that. Well, I would like to say that I'll be cheering for the Astros, <laughs> but back in, uh, well, I guess it was about, what, 73, 74, when I was an all-star for the Phillies. That's true. Know, I was thinking I, about that, actually. I still have the uh, my affinity for the Phillies. So I, 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 guess I remember that well. Them. Mike Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> those were um, those were formative years, and I understand why you would continue to root for them. So yeah, I still have the trophies. I mean, come on. This is an uh, an intra family rivalry now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Who did you play for? I think I played for the Royals. Oh, no, the A's. I played for the A's. I remember the green yeah. and the yellow. It was the A's. That's right. You did. You did. Raleigh Fingers, yeah. I think, was uh, yeah. he was the guy at that point. So so that would have had to be like second or third grade for me, because that's when I yeah. stopped. It was in third grade. Very funny. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's what, that's what we have looking forward to. Okay, good. What's on your mind this fine day? I was in Evanston visiting my daughter. Laura and I went. And something happened that I thought was was important to talk about, or at least interesting to talk about, because it ended up being a thing. So we went to this restaurant that Sarah wanted to go to, where she had been before and wanted to take us. And we got there, we sat down, you know, the, the waitress brought over water and gave us menus as, as we were looking at the menu sarah you know noticed that the thing that she wanted was no longer on the menu and um was disappointed about that because that was the the one reason that we were going there and we actually asked the waitress about it and she said that the uh the chef had had quit or that chef had quit who had made that particular dish and that the new chef didn't know how to do it so they they had to redo the menu and so we were left to to look it over and it was a it wasn't any place it was there wasn't anything that any of us wanted to eat particularly but we were already sitting there and it was like well do we just leave and there was this consensus of nobody really wanted to eat there but what didn't really feel like it was okay to leave and i finally said mm-hmm. you know we don't have to be chained to this table simply because we walked into the place and we we haven't <laughs> been served we haven't ordered they did give us water. And we, we talked for like two or three minutes about it. Like, do we stay? Do we go? And, and Laura and Sarah were like, no, let's just stay. It'll be fine. And I said, no, we got to go. This one, because we don't want to eat here, but two, because this is an important thing to be able to actually get up and get out of a situation you don't want to be in and not feel like you have to be tied to something that you don't want to be tied to. And so I, I left a tip because I felt you know, that was sort of the compromise. I didn't want to take up the space or the whatever effort it took to bring out the water. Or, and and we left. And afterwards, there was sort of one, the sense of, 
relief. Like, ah, oh, okay, now we can go someplace and get what we want. <laughs> you escaped. <laughs> we escaped. But also it was it was freeing to just as an as a, a model that if you're in something you don't want to be in, just because it's convenient to stay there or hard to get out of it doesn't mean that you have to stay. And so we talked about that a little bit afterwards. And of course they thought I was being overly psychological and whatnot, <laughs> but they were just glad to get an opportunity to eat from somewhere else. But I saw that as being really instructive in a, in a kind of everyday experience sort of a way and representing what all of us go through, I think, you know, in lots of areas of our lives where it just doesn't feel exactly right, but either the motivation isn't there or we don't see the exit. So we end up staying. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking about talking about today. Did you, when you left, did you, did you say anything or did you just leave a tip and walk out? No, I am. I, I went and talked to the, to the waitress and said, you know, we're going to, we're not going to stay because we were hoping to have whatever it was that was on the menu. And she kind of nodded. You know, I don't think it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we aren't the first person to have ever left, but I did feel like it was important to offer the, the tip as something that was a, a middle ground, you know, so that she wouldn't be angry, disappointed. Um, it wasn't as big a tip probably as if we would have left or as if we would have, excuse me, stayed. Yeah. But it was a, at least an acknowledgement that some effort had been put forth. Yeah. It's hard to do that, though. It is really hard to leave a restaurant for whatever reason, even if it's just after you've gotten water. Like, you feel obligated mm -hmm. to sit there and to to order. And I've been in that same situation several times. And, you know, it's one thing if they don't serve you, if nobody right. ever comes to your table then it's you get up and it's like ah fuck this place. <laughs> but if it's a place that you wanted to go and it, you're disappointed, it's just it is. It's hard to get up and and walk out the door. And I think you're right that that does that that's sort of a a metaphor for uh, for the broader sense of obligation and mm -hmm. for the social pressures that everybody feels and all of those other things that are kind of connected to that experience. It's funny it's, though, that it, in that context of all things, uh -huh. a restaurant and, and then to feel obligated to leave a tip to, to sort of, you know, more, it was probably more for you than for the waiter. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel bad because yeah, there's a social contract that we yeah. have. You have to hold up your end of it. Yeah, you've promised to spend money there. And yeah, it, it was just so in my face that we were <laughs> we were experiencing in the moment this pressure that, and all three of us felt the exact same way. You know, we all had that sense of no, we can't do this. I was like, this is ridiculous. Why are we going? Why are we bending over backwards to try to make this work when it clearly is not where we want to be? And and again, we do that in so many areas of our lives. Yeah. Oh boy, that is the truth. We deal with situations and with people and mm -hmm. with, you know, all sorts of things that in the back of our minds is that same narrative going on, that same conversations happening all the time, but you can't yeah. just extricate yourself from it. It's not that easy. 
It never but, is. It's never easy, but but it's not a can't. Then that's I think the message is is you yeah. can. There's a cost to it. So for me, it was a, it was the emotional cost plus it was the tip. Um, but there, there's a cost to leaving, and what you're measuring against is the cost of staying versus the cost of leaving. But mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times we don't even bother to measure the cost of staying because it just feels like well, this is how it is. And yeah. we don't have a lot of options, so we're just going to keep doing it. But if you're if you're able to imagine what another iteration looks like, then you can start looking at the costs. It may not always make sense to leave, you know. It may it may be um, it may be counterproductive, or what you what you go to is less than what you have now. But if you don't at least give yourself the opportunity to look then you you are mired down just stuck it's the same decision you might make if you're if you hate your job mm-hmm. or you're not happy at the school that you're attending or whatever it is cuz change is hard yeah right so if you're if you're sitting in a job that you can't stand and you think well it'd be really hard to get a new job and it'd be hard to make up the same income somewhere else and i've been here for this many years and the people really rely on me and all those other things that go through your mind. It's just hard to, it's hard to peel yourself away from that and go another direction, at least on your own terms. You know, Mm -hmm. if you got fired, that's one thing, but to leave voluntarily and to walk out the door and go to some other opportunity, it's the same thing. It's the same, it's the same kind of emotional struggle that you probably faced at that two minutes in the restaurant while you were discussing this. Yeah. And the difference, you know, between finding a new job that on your own accord or being fired is the same difference that we taught that you mentioned with the, you sit down and they don't ever greet you or bring you water or give you a menu and you just leave. And it's like, well, screw this versus saying, well, you know, this isn't really what we want. So, but if it's, if it's externally driven, you're fired or they ignore you at the restaurant, then you, you can get up ahead of steam. You can get angry and you can be able to, to direct that towards some next step. But if it has to come internally, it has to come just from you because you've realized that it's not, doesn't meet your expectations, whatever those might be. Um, it's harder to, to amp up. You know, you turn up mm-hmm. the, the energy and, and get the enthusiasm or, or even any motivation to do it because it's just so much easier not to rock the boat. Because it's, you know, it's part of its conflict avoidance. Yeah, for sure. You don't want to create anything that untoward. Um, yeah. And it's very easy to rationalize. It's just one meal. They have French fries. I can eat French fries. You know, this will be fine. If it's French <laughs> fries and nothing else, okay, I'll, I'll just eat French fries. Um, but if, if it's something that's impacting others, then it's almost like you put on that, that cape and say, I'm going to come to the rescue. And then you're validated for doing that. So how does that apply to the broader context for this in life um you know i think even in terms of the book you know the the title the edge of the sticker it's it's hard to kind of get that first jolt of energy toward action because you spend so much time ruminating and thinking about and wondering and 
planning. Should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? What are the consequences possibly going to be? What if I do this? What if I don't do that? But once you do it, once you begin, then it's easier than you think. Now, not necessarily, well, maybe I should say it's simpler than you think, not easier than you think. So the the job idea that you brought up a couple minutes ago, if if you really are not comfortable in your job, it's irresponsible to, for the most part, just go in and quit without having some kind of a plan or some idea of what you're going to do next because you've got other obligations and need to be able to pay rent or food or support your family, yourself. But you can begin to actively look at other options. And whether that's going on job sites or it's thinking about going back to school if it's talking to other people that you know who are working in industries that you might be interested in, seeking out whatever those other opportunities are, you can begin that process. And then you gather the data to see, you know, maybe what you have isn't as bad as you think relative to what the other alternatives are. Mm-hmm. And that's a choice that you get to make. But unless you have the information, then you can't make the choice. You just feel stuck. And then if you proactively decide to stay because whatever else is out there doesn't meet the needs in the way that this thing does, then at least you've you've figured out that this is, if it's the best of of um, the possible evils. Okay, that's that's one way of looking at it. Or it's just right now the thing that's going it, to it serves its function right now, and you might need to look again or figure out different ways a month or a year from now. If you don't look and you feel like you're just you're here and it's the way that it is, you you just get mired down in sadness and resentment and anger and frustration and you know your your commitment to what you're doing is way down your product work product is probably way down and that's true in relationships too you know if you find yourself in a relationship that you're not comfortable in whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship or any place else and you just don't want to be in it you know how good of a partner or a friend or colleague are you going to be probably not a great one and then, yeah. you know, a rising tide lifts all ships, but I guess a lowering tide lowers all ships. So, um, you know, then your how you feel about yourself and what you do goes down too. So that's, I, I mean, I just think from the standpoint of give yourself the opportunity to explore. And even if you don't ever leave, just run through the options and then make a, a decision. And then like peeling back the sticker that first part, that's that's the most effortful mm-hmm. because that's where you're not only fighting the the realities of what you'll have to do, but you're also fighting the fear, and that's a big word there, fear of what it might like be like to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's I'm thinking back in the book would I think it was the chapter on anxiety. And Mm -hmm. the discussion was about um, how when you're anxious about things, you know, a lot of the reason is that you don't have enough information to sort of understand the situation and to know what your options are and to take any action. So if I'm remembering the right section, um, the idea behind it was that doing that research and getting the knowledge and becoming more comfortable with what is a possibility and what your options are does a whole lot to reduce the anxiety that you feel 
along the way. So it's, it's the same thing in this scenario. If you're, if you're miserable in your job and you're thinking I'm going to be stuck here forever and I can't possibly do anything else and I'm not employable or I can't make the money I need somewhere else Mm -hmm. until you start looking around and at least investigate, you are stuck. You know, you're, you're sticking yourself it's not being done to you. You're just not taking action to actually explore and to to find out what your options really are. Right. So it, it's no different than getting up from the table. It's taking that first step. It's it's you know getting the edge of the sticker or leaving the restaurant. I'm reminded of the movie Up in the Air that had Anna Kendrick and um, Clooney. Clooney, right? And uh, at one point when they were doing their their out placement and they said to the one guy you know didn't you study to be a a chef and aren't you you know wouldn't you love to show your kids that you followed your passion instead of working at whatever job he was being laid off from and and that seemed to resonate there but he wasn't going to do it on his own Mm -hmm. because he was in he was mortgaged to his life but when it was forced on him yeah. then he was willing to consider, yeah, well, what if I actually did follow something that I care about and am trained for and love? And, you know, that's, it's a movie and it's somewhat trite, but, but that the sense that you can do this on your own rather than being fired, that you can leave a restaurant rather than leaving and not walking out in disgust because you weren't treated correctly. Um, that's empowering. And when we mm-hmm. feel empowered in that way, our anxiety goes down because we do feel like we have some control over what's happening in our lives. Yeah. Um, but it's still hard. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's really additive though. I think when you, when you do it once mm-hmm. and then you start applying that to other parts of your life, then it really does make a huge difference. And it happens it's like dominoes lining up when you start doing things, when you start taking control and making decisions and doing things for yourself that mm-hmm. fulfill what you actually want. Um, it gets easier, I think, to do it because you feel more confident that what you're doing is going to lead you to a place that's going to make you feel better. Yeah. Well, you know, it's actually it, it would be kind of a prescriptive thing that everyone might want to have the experience of getting up from the restaurant if for no other reason than to bank that experience, to know mm-hmm. what that's like. Because it's, it's fairly low cost. Um, yeah. there's, there's not a lot of downside. And the, the additive effect that you mentioned, you know, it would be really important to know that you can do that it any changes where you begin to feel like, gosh, this just whatever this is, school, job, a relationship, whatever it may be, but it's just not feeling right. You know, what are mm-hmm. what can I do? And if you don't believe you can do it, then you're not going to. You know, if we take that and even look in relationships, I mean, when we have relationships with people that are important to us, um, we we do have obligations within those within that context and leaving those or altering those or, or asking for change in those is hard because it's not just about what we want. It's also about wanting to make sure that we don't hurt people that we care about. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, at some point 
the decision ends up being, you, you have to make the decision of, can I continue to do this? Or do I need, in order for myself to be able to survive, do I need to make a change? And yeah. a lot of times we don't, even when we get to that point, we still don't make the change. We stay in because of any number of excuses or fantasies or um, explanations that we give ourselves that keep us just planted in a place we don't want to be. You got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. There you go. Yeah. If you don't do that, you're no good to anybody. So Brad, with that, um, with that story in the restaurant and with the discussion about jobs and other things that, that we can take some control in our lives, are there uh, a handful of things that you would suggest, um, some tips, some strategies that people could follow if they're presented or if they're faced with a situation like the one that you described? Um, number one is acknowledge what you're feeling. Number two is look at your environment and your situation to see if there are things that need to be changed. And number three is invest in yourself enough to give yourself the opportunity to find what other alternatives might exist. And that's your foundation for making a choice about what to do next. 